Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. We're in a series called The Parable of the Fireplace. It is a series about love relationships. It's a series about how to have the best love relationship you can possibly have. The church is only as strong as the strongest family in it. The family is only as strong as the strongest marriage in it. And my desire is that for uh, marriages to be stronger. And so we've devoted uh, eight weeks out of this spring to talk about love relationships. Uh, the fireplace symbolizes the relationship between two people who've fallen in love. When, when you fall in love with someone, at the very beginning, what happens is it's almost like you, you kindle a fire in that person's heart. And early in a relationship, not only do we kindle a fire in each other's heart, but we, without even thinking about it, throw logs on the fire. We, we do not see that person's uh, faults. We cannot see their failures. We're just blinded by love. And all we can do is, is do things that please uh, that other person. And so the fireplace represents the relationship that develops between two people in love. Second, in order for that fire in the fireplace to remain strong, we have to continue casting logs into the fire. Early on, we do that without even being conscious of it, but there comes a time in a relationship where we stop throwing logs on the fire without thinking about it, and yet because the flame still needs to be fueled, still has the need for logs to be placed on it, we must intentionally place logs on the fire. Placing logs on the fire means meeting the needs of our spouse, providing for uh, the uh, excitement of our spouse, being delighted in him or her. But it takes work to continue adding logs to the fire. Now here is the, the, the theme, the thesis for the entire series of sermons is simply this. No relationship has ever ended when the love fires are consistently tended. I've been a preacher since May of 1981. I've done, uh, conducted a lot of weddings. I have talked with a lot of couples. I have never seen a relationship in which the two people are consistently and ongoingly tending the fire that fell apart. I've never seen a relationship where the people were, were consistently meeting each other's need that fell apart. On the other hand, everyone that I've ever seen that did end up falling apart, it was because somewhere along the way, one or both of the two people in love stopped meeting the needs of each other and their fire faded away. No relationship is ended when the love fires consistently are tended. Now, back in 2013, there was uh, a survey, it was a limited survey of 100 mental health professionals who counsel with married couples, and they were asked what they believed were the, the uh, most common contributions to uh, a marriage dissolving. 
and 65% of them said that the most common factor in uh, the breakup of a home is has to do with communication problems. 65% of those 100 listed communications as top. There were 43% of them who said that a couple's inability to resolve conflict was the number one reason. I will say that if, if you, you show me a couple who's, who's uh, experiencing an inability to resolve conflict, and I'm going to show you a couple who's not communicating. So really, communication is at the root of troubled marriages, troubled relationships, and good communication is at the root of great relationships. John Gutman, who is a professor emeritus at the University of Washington, who's conducted research on love relationships for over 40 years, suggests that there are four types of communication problems that lead to breakups. There are those communication problems where one partner is criticizing the other one habitually. There is contempt. One one partner's contempt for the other partner. There is defensiveness. Uh, One partner who is confronted with certain things, but he or she refuses to own up to them, refuses to take responsibility for them. Instead, they're constantly defensive when they don't need to be and in fact shouldn't be. And then there's stonewalling. When you have a couple where one, one or more are just not communicating at all, they're stonewalling, giving you the silent treatment. All of those are deadly when it comes to communication. Now, what all this means for us is that if we want the fires to grow strong and to glow bright, then we must have effective communication because a marriage uh, is, is so connected to communication that uh, bad marriages can be caused by a lack of communication or abusive communication, and bad marriages can be resolved and fixed with good communication. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word fitly spoken. Fitly. I love that word. That's a great word. A word fitly spoken. You see, communication impacts every aspect of our love relationship. Earlier in this series, we talked about uh, personality types. By now, if you've been with me throughout this uh, several-week journey, you ought to know what your, your spouse's top personality type and secondary personality type are. You ought to know that. Well, how do you get to know that? You ask them and they tell you. That's communication. By now, if you've been with me, you should know what your, your spouse's love language is. And you should be learning to speak that love language. How do you get to know that? By communicating back and forth. Last week, we talked about the top five emotional needs of wives and the top five emotional needs of husbands. And and, and by now, I hope that you're on the road to learning what those are and meeting those. You say, well, how do I know that? You have to communicate. You see, communication is key in all of these things. It impacts everything. But it's hard to communicate. In fact, it's easier to miscommunicate than to communicate. I know of a pastor who stood up one Sunday morning in his church, and uh, when he approached the podium, there was a prayer request laying on the podium. And so he picked it up, and he just read it. Now, here's what it said. George Brown, having gone to sea, 
His wife desires the prayers of the congregation for his safety. That was what the prayer request literally was, but the pastor miscommunicated it. And here's what he said. George Brown, having gone to see his wife, desires the prayers of the congregation for safety. Sometimes it's just a misplaced comma. Communication is very difficult. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. What that means is saying the right thing to the right person at the right time in the right, with the right words is helpful. It's really, really great. But how do you define what fitly means? What is a word fitly spoken? I want to share with you four characteristics of a word fitly spoken. First off, a word fitly spoken means you communicate with the right person. Now, if you're in a love relationship and and you're in the middle of a struggle with your spouse or a, a conflict, let me tell you, first of all, who not to talk to. You ready for this? Don't go talk to mama. Don't go run, run into daddy. Oh, you're going to get some sympathy there, and, and you're going to get some therapy there. They're, they're going to help you, and they're going to reach out to you, but here's why. Because most of the time, mama's going to agree with you. And most of the time, daddy's going to agree with you. Now, you may say, wait a minute, my mom and dad like my spouse better than they like me. Well, my friend, that ought to be a look in the mirror moment for you, brother. I'm just going to tell you. Don't go to mama. Listen, the worst thing that I could do to my Amanda if, when, we, when we get in an argument is, is to go call in my mama. Also, don't go telling your gossip buddies. You know what's killing a lot of churches today? Gossip buddies. I'm not kidding. Sometimes they call them prayer meetings. Gossip buddies. Listen, don't go, don't go complaining. To, ladies, if you're having trouble in your marriage, don't go, don't go complaining to your gossip friends. Guys, don't get around the golf course complaining to your buddies. That's not going to help anything. Well, who should I talk to? Talk to your spouse. If, if, if my wife and I have a problem... The person I need to talk to about that is not mama or daddy and not my golf buddies, although I'm not a golfer. It's, it, I need to talk with Amanda. I need to talk with my Amanda. It's between us that we can find the resolution. Communicate with the right person. And, and if you get to the point where you can't communicate with your spouse, then don't seek some amateur counselor. Seek a professional counselor. But I will tell you this. If you ever have a problem and and you become willing and honest, and if you care enough about your marriage to go to a professional counselor, stick with it for the long term. Now, some of you, I already know, some of you are saying, I, I will never go see a counselor. I will never go see a psychologist or psychiatrist. My friend, look at me. You're a fool. I'll tell you this, I believe the majority of people I know ought to be in therapy. 
I'm going to tell you that right now. I believe we ought to. We, we could fix a lot of problems if everybody would humble themselves and admit their need for professional counseling. But when you go to a professional counselor, especially a marriage counselor, the mistake most people make, if they're willing to go to one at all, is they, they go two or three times tops and then they quit. And I'll tell you why. The first three or four meetings with a marriage counselor are the hardest of the entire program because it's during those first three or four that you're ripping the scab off of your problem. And let me tell you, ripping the scab off of a sore is the most, is one of the most painful things you'll ever have happen to you. But if you can make it through those first three, four or five sessions where they rip the scab off, they identify the sore, they identify the problem. If you can make it through those and keep Keep seeing that counselor, they will eventually heal the sore that they tore the the scab off of. You say, well, how long should I go? I'll tell you right now, if you're in serious marital problems, you ought to commit at least two years of at least monthly visits with that counselor. Communicate with the right person. Second, fitly spoken means to communicate at the right time. What are some bad times to communicate with somebody? How about late in the evening, maybe when both of you have worked all day and you've come in and you've, you've, you've done whatever you need to do at the house and you're both absolutely exhausted. Listen, that's the, one of the worst times that you can communicate is when you're absolutely exhausted. One of the worst times you can communicate is when there's too much chaos too many people in the room. Maybe all the kids are there. You can't talk about stuff with all the kids running all over the place. You, if you have the TV on, the computer on, and you got your iPad on, and you got your tablet on, you got your cell phone on, all those things are, are distractions. They're chaos. You can't communicate with all these distractions going on. It's a bad time. It's a bad time to communicate if you're going to communicate via text message, Facebook, or email. Listen, don't do that. Number one, uh, people are short, blunt, and they come across as blunt on email, text message, and Facebook. And, and, and secondly, you can't tell emotions that much whenever people are communicating via social media. And here's a third thing. Listen, my friend, if you've got problems in a relationship, please don't splatter it all over Facebook or I will unfriend you. It's not the place. Listen, you need to iron these things out in private between you and your spouse or maybe you and your spouse and a professional counselor. But don't go airing all that dirty laundry on Facebook. That's not going to solve your problem. It's a bad time. So when is the two time? When is the good time to communicate? It's when you're together, void of any distractions. The TV is off, the computer's off, the phones are off, the tablets are off, the kids are either in bed or they're staying with somebody else or the family and the neighbors are gone and you're looking face to face in each other at a time that's mutually agreed upon. That's a good time. You say, well, I just don't have time for that. Look at me. Make the time. Make the time. If you care about your marriage, if you care about your family, if you care about your kids, make the time to get things right with your spouse. Communicate at the right time. Third, a word fitly spoken means to communicate in the right way. And that means a few things. Communicate consciously. That is, be, be intentional. Don't wait for the time to open up. So many people, they have troubles at home, and, and somebody comes, well, uh, have, have, you, have you talked with your spouse? Well, I'm waiting for that moment to open up. Well, have you talked with your spouse? Well, I, the kids are always there. 
Well, have you talked with your spouse? Well, she's watching this TV program and I can't hear it. Listen, don't wait for the time to open up. Open up the time. Open up the time. Do you care about your relationship? Then open it up. Take the time. I don't have to tell y'all. Y'all know this better than I do. We can make time for what we want to make time for. You want to make time for God? You can do it. Do it. You want to make time for your spouse? You can do it, but you've got to make it. Communicate consciously. Communicate clearly. Don't make your spouse have to guess what you're thinking or what you're wanting. And and, and tell people exactly what you mean when you tell them what you mean what you mean. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 8, he says, If a trumpet does not sound a clear call when you're in battle, who will get ready for battle? If you hear an unfamiliar tune, how do we know whether to charge or retreat or to get up or to mourn? Don't make your spouse have to guess what you're saying, feeling, thinking. Say it and say it clearly. Jesus said one time, he says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. What's he talking about? He's talking about be clear in your communication. Be constructive. Communicate constructively. University of California at Berkeley did a study of married couples a few years ago who married couples who are still in love and living together after many decades of being married together. And they they tried to figure out what is it that makes these successful marriages tick? And they found two commonalities, two characteristics. One, these couples did not give each other the silent treatment ever. And number two, they avoided being sarcastic in a destructive way with their mate. Communicate constructively. Communicate compassionately. Now, for us guys, what that means is when we communicate with our wives, and and more importantly, when she communicates with us, we need to have our attention fastened on what she's saying, and then we need to repeat back what she says to us. Now, you're thinking, why on earth would I want to do that? For two reasons. Number one, it it assures her that you are listening and understanding what she's saying. And and number two, it, it lets her feel that she is being cared for by you. Do not just sit there like a bump on a log and look at her or look at him. Reflect back what she's saying. And ladies, for you... For the most part, here's what it means. It means stop nagging. Did you know there are two, there, there's a verse in the book of Proverbs that's in the Bible twice? Ladies hate it. They really do. I don't blame you. I would too. Here's what it says. It's better to live in the corner of the roof than to share a house with a nagging wife. That's Proverbs 21.9. In Proverbs 21.19, it says it's better to live in the corner of the roof than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. That's in there twice, ladies. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, a man wrote those. Listen, communicate compassionately with each other. Fourth, a word fitly spoken means that you communicate with the right words. The right words. Mark Twain one time said this. He says, the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. What are some of the right words? I love you. I am sorry. Now, if you're going to say I'm sorry, then follow it up with actions that prove you're sorry. If if you're in the fifth time in a row having to say I'm sorry, she's not going to believe you this time. 
I forgive you. You do that so very well. We've got to start talking with each other. One of my mentors was Dr. Fred Craddock. I mention him a lot of times. He passed away last year. Years ago, when he first started pastoring, he was in Oklahoma, and he was getting pretty popular as a, a preacher in his denomination, which was the Disciples of Christ denomination. And he was approached and asked if he would go talk to a man who had a lot of money. This was a fledging, fledgling uh, denomination. So they asked him to go talk with a man who had a lot of money and see if he would start supporting their denomination. And uh, Craddock said, well, he didn't belong to my church, but he had money. So they asked me if I'd go talk to him. And I said, yeah, make the appointment. And so they made the appointment on a certain day. And he, he went out, drove out to talk with this guy, happened to be a rancher. And he says, I ri- arrived to find him rushing out the door saying, look, I've, I've, uh, good to see you. I've got to make a trip. Why don't you just come along with me? And Craddock said, well, where are you going? He says, I've got to go out to one of my ranches. Just come on with me. And Craddock says, all right. Craddock figured they'd just be driving 10 minutes down the road. Well, they did drive 10 minutes down the road to an airstrip. They got into a plane that was waiting for them, and they took off. And 45 minutes later, they landed at another airstrip where there was a car waiting for them with a driver. And he drove them out another 10 minutes to a ranch where there was this big ranch house. And the guy said to Craddock, he says, I own this house, I own this ranch, I have cattle on the ranch, and I've got a a man and his wife who live here, they manage the place for me. And so they got out, they went into the house, it was lunchtime. Craddock was introduced to a man named Clyde. The rancher said, this is Clyde, he manages my place. They live here, he and his wife. They were there in the living room, there was a big fire in the fireplace, and uh, he could smell, Craddock could smell food being cooked in, the, in one of the next rooms in the kitchen. And finally, Clyde, Clyde looked over and there was a door that, that cracked open. He saw somebody's face, then it cracked back shut. And Clyde said, well, it's time to eat. And so the three of them, Clyde, Dr. Craddock, and this rancher, they, they went through the kitchen door and the table where they ate was in the kitchen. Everything was in the kitchen, dining and, and cooking. And as they went in, Craddock said, I saw the back of a woman going out another door. She never spoke. When they got through eating, they left and they went back into the living room. And when Craddock was entering the living room, he saw this woman who had been kneeling down, putting a log on the fireplace fire. And she quickly, when she saw them come in, she moved out another door. He said, I saw her back again. And he said, I turned to the rancher and said, who was she? And the rancher says, isn't she a good cook? And he says, yes, she was a good cook, but who is she? Well, she's Clyde's wife. Clyde's my manager. He manages this place. He said, well, I know you introduced me to Clyde, but I want to know who she is. Who, who is she? I said, he said, I told you, she's Clyde's wife. And, and the conversation just kept going and kept going. Finally, Craddock said, look, I want to know her name. And the rancher said, uh, well, she's Clyde's wife, and I think, uh, I, think her, I think her name's Ruth. I'm not sure. And Craddock said to the man, he says, this couple has been managing your ranch for 17 years, and you think her name is Ruth? you got to talk to people. 
And if couples want their relationships to grow strong, you've got to keep the communication lines open, without distraction, without chaos. Don't go to your gossip friends. Don't go to amateur counselors. Go to a professional one if you need one. But look each other eyeball to eyeball. Give each other feedback and fix what's wrong. What will it do? It will add logs to that fire. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you care about our homes. You care about our love relationships. You care about our marriages. You care about the kids that are in our homes. And Lord, I know that the best thing that I can do for my two kids is to love their mama. And I know that the best thing she can do for them is to love me. But Lord, so many homes are in trouble. And part of it, at the root of it, in fact, is, is, is this problem with communicating. We're holding back. We're talking to everybody but the right person. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to communicate to the right person in the right way at the right time with the right words. And Lord, I pray that you'd heal our homes. In Jesus' name, amen.